0: All right, we have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. It's Dylan and Henry, as always, and we have a very special guest joining us. So Henry, let's hit the intro music and then we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Side Retire, the MLB podcast, Dylan and Henry. And Henry, before we introduce our guest, how you doing?
1: Doing great. You know, we're coming into the home stretch of the baseball season. Obviously, it's not, not a great time for either of our teams. We're gearing up for spring training already. But, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a fun race to the finish. We had a great Mariners game last night. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch how the playoffs unfold.
0: And unfortunately, I know Emmanuel, who's our guest, Emmanuel Barbari. Yankee fans, you know his voice very well. He's on Odyssey WFAN as well as he was the announcer for the Yankees Pirate Series earlier this month. Assume you were looking forward to a better Yankee season that unfortunately shook out this year, but really appreciate you hopping on the podcast with us today and welcome to the show.
2: Of course, Dylan Henry, appreciate you having me and I'm excited to do this.
0: Absolutely. So I think the first question we usually throw at our guests, and I tried to do a little bit of an introduction for our audience who doesn't know you, but I assume you know a lot more about yourself than I do. So if you want to give a big picture to our audience of what is your big baseball story and what is your role in the baseball industry?
2: Yeah, I grew up like a lot of different people watching baseball with my dad, my brother, and I became a Yankee fan, became attached to the Yankees through that. It makes me sound really young when I say the 07, 08 seasons were really when I got into it. And then the 09 championship was really when I got attached to baseball and the yankees and was really really locked in at the ripe age of 10 11 years old at that point and yeah really just became absorbed by it i love the sport i love the nuances of it started scoring games and that's what really got me into the rules and and just the little things that make baseball great so when i was in high school I didn't know broadcasting was something I necessarily wanted to do, but my freshman year of high school, one of my friends was starting a live streaming video production program, which had never been done before at our high school. And he asked me to come aboard and help out. And I didn't know what I would do, but I showed up to a basketball game winter of my freshman year and I announced the game. I I called the boys basketball game and I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I'd heard people doing it before like mike breen on the knicks and and different great announcers and something clicked I, I really enjoyed doing it so i i didn't know the craft i didn't know the nuances of it but i knew hey this is really cool this is something i might want to do and then after my freshman year i went to a broadcasting camp at chaminade high school where one of my friends uh, went to school one of my best friends and that's when i really got exposed to the craft and The nuances of broadcasting. So without getting into everything else on on the journey, that's really when it started. And that's when I knew I wanted to make sports a part of my professional life. And that's naturally led over time to making baseball a part of it, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously now you've every every young Yankee fans dream once they realize I'm probably not playing for the Yankees is to is to be like Michael K, be like John Sterling. How did you get into that position of calling Yankee games all right and and just being a part of that circle of like very esteemed broadcasters who worked for the New York Yankees
2: no that's a great way to put it it's how I feel every single day when I do anything Yankee related whether it's post-game shows throughout the year or now filling in on a little bit of play-by-play for the Pirate series it's the people you're around all day that you're like whoa these are the people I I grew up idolizing uh, when I wanted to become a broadcaster these are the people I looked up to and now I'm working alongside them it, it almost feels weird to say working with them uh, I'm, I'm there I'm doing a job but there's still very much people I look up to so yeah it all started with after my freshman year at Fordham University in the Bronx I interned at WFAN in the city uh the Sports Talk radio station, uh, as we know, and certainly locally, but really uh, the model of sports radio uh, across the country, across the world. And I got an internship there and just started doing whatever I could around the station. Now, at that point, you go through the internship, you very much stay within the confines. uh, Whenever somebody... Uh, comes up to you and, and speaks to you. You learn that as an amazing learning experience, but it's very much within within what you can do. And I'm not going out of my way to uh, to walk up to different people. I was very much that, that to myself uh, intern. But afterwards, FAN has had a great track record of developing people and hiring their interns part-time. And I didn't know whether that would be something that would be Apply to me because I was a freshman going into my sophomore year of college at that point. Uh, could I work at WFAN? But one of the producers, Pete, who I've become good friends with, he said, "You should you should talk to them about coming on part time." And I was very hesitant about doing anything like that, but but he said, "Yeah, mention me and and go up to them, see if you could come on part time." And they brought me on part time as a producer, as a newsroom tape editor tape op after my freshman year summer internship. So sophomore year through senior year, one of the benefits of being local at Fordham was I could work shifts there as a part-time employee, not as an intern. So whenever they needed an overnight producing shift or they needed uh, a tape op shift, an evening producing shift, I I, I could drop everything and and go to WFAN and, and I guess establish myself is the right word, but but just become part of the fabric there, get to know everybody there, uh, become a bigger part of that that station to the point where after I graduated Fordham, while a lot of different people were were starting at places, FAN was a place I'd been for, for three and a half years. So uh, when they had a shift in management and they were looking to try out new voices and different internal people got a shot on the air doing an overnight show, I was one of those people. Now, at the time, I was 22 years old, so uh, that that sounded crazy to me, and it was definitely crazy for anyone to be at that stage doing an on-air shift at WFAN, but it made a little bit more sense knowing I had been there for a few years already, so I, I got that opportunity, and that's kind of spiraled into everything else since then, growing, improving, getting more shifts there, and then obviously this year becoming part of the Yankee broadcast, which was ultimately the the springboard towards doing a, a play-by-play series.
0: I love it. And then one thing you also mentioned, you've mentioned the name Fordham a lot of times, and it seems like there is this little Yankees Fordham click happening right now. I know you were a part of it. Ryan Rook was a part of it. Justin Shackle, George Pisanti, and a couple other people that have been involved with both of the different organizations. What's that been like? Because I know you weren't classmates with all of them, but sort of knowing all the Fordham guys around, you all have taken this kind of similar pathway to getting here. So what's that been like working with the same alumni?
2: Yeah, that's one of the cooler aspects of the the Fordham community and the fabric there is I didn't go to school with with a lot of these people I'm interacting with now, but there's that sense of you kind of know them and you look out for each other, even though you may not be the same year at Fordham, but it's a big thing to pay it forward and to give back at Fordham and be part of that alumni community and to really really help out the next generation. And I'm so fortunate that people like you mentioned, Ryan Rucco and uh, Justin Shackle have paid it forward to me. Michael K this year going out of his way to be so kind to me. My first year doing real Yankee stuff, doing Yankee post game shows on radio and him welcoming me with open arms and, and being so nice to me, uh, like beyond anything I could have imagined for somebody I, I looked up to for years. So that kind of goes unspoken and, It really speaks to what's been built at Fordham, that people like that feel like, of course, I'm going to help out the next generation. To me, being somebody who's coming up, I feel like I can never repay that. Uh, They've gone to such depths to be be nice to me, to give me advice, to give me feedback. But to them, it's like a no-brainer. Oh, well, why wouldn't I help out? So I think that is kind of the cycle that's been created at Fordham. And then it's incumbent on everybody who comes through and whatever you do uh, in in the sports industry, in the sports media industry, to listen to the next generation, to pay it forward, to help them out. That's what keeps the Fordham tradition strong. And I think why a place like the Yankees, more so than other places uh, in the industry, that Fordham's kind of infiltrated, if you will. But that's why a place like the Yankees has something like that, because of the pay it forward type mantra, I think, at Fordham over the years.
1: Yeah, and and we talk about how like now you're sort of just like integrated into this system, right? You're you're a part of this team working on producing Yankees content. But what does a day in the life look like for you? Like from waking up, heading over to the office, producing the shows and like and being an on-air presence. What does that look like?
2: Yeah. So I could give you the day of in the life from a Yankee standpoint, because my day in the life kind of changes week to week, depending on what role I'm I'm occupying, whether it's, okay, I'm, I'm doing update anchoring today. I'm doing a talk show. I'm doing this day. I'm doing Yankees or this day I'm doing play by play for, for, for this, a college sport or minor league baseball. So it kind of changes, but from a Yankee perspective, when I'm doing post game shows, really the way it will go is I'll wake up in the morning let's say I did a post game show the night before it kind of changes, whether it's the first day of the series or um coming off a game, because then I had something from the night before I'll normally wake up. I'll try to, I don't always abide by this, but I'll try to, you know, focus on just feeling good before I do anything work related. I'll, I'll step outside, maybe like go for a quick walk. I'll, I'll uh, do a little exercise, something like that, just to, just to get that out of the way. Then I'll, get to my phone, catch up on, you know, texts or or emails or something like that. Then if I did a game the night before, if I did a post game, I'll make it a point to listen back again to what I did the day before. So I have a good evaluation of, okay, here's what I thought was good about my work last night. Here's what I thought I could, I could improve and take some notes on that. So I already have the self-evaluation uh, aspect taken care of ahead of that night. And there's something I can improve on because I feel like if I'm not in the reps I have, if I'm not improving on some area of it, I'm not going to say it's a wasted rep because you're always getting better, but it could be a much more valuable experience and rep if you're looking for for things to improve. So I'll do that. And then I'll start doing a little bit of prep for the day. Post game is a little bit different because you're you're more evaluating the game, right? You're more recapping the game and you don't know what's going to happen until the game actually happens. But I do want to know, especially at the front end of the series, okay, what's this guy's background on the other team? Uh, the starting pitcher for that day. I want to know a lot about the starting pitcher because more often than not, the story of that game is going to be defined by what that starting pitcher does on each side. So post game has a lot to do with pitching. I'll, I'll get ready on the starting pitchers. I'll, whenever, Lineups come out. That's typically not until the early afternoon at earliest. So that's more of a, at the stadium thing. I'll get that stuff ready, get all my things together and then get dressed and get ready to go to the stadium. So then I'll, I'll I'll drive in around, I would say 115, 130 in the afternoon. I live on Long Island, so it would be later than that if I was a little closer. But but I I like to put a little 30-minute buffer in case there's crazy traffic or anything like that. It doesn't always work that way, but I'll leave at one thirty in the hopes of getting there before 3 o'clock. And I'll normally get there earlier than that. 2.25, 2.30, clubhouse opens, get to the stadium, put my stuff down, get down to the Yankee clubhouse. So in case anybody speaks, I can hear what's going on. I can see what's going on in the clubhouse. I can... I can see all the people I'm going to be working with as well uh, that night on the broadcast. And then after the clubhouse finishes, regardless of what happens in there or who's available, who's not available, Aaron Boone will speak, the Yankee manager. So then we'll all go as a media contingent, all the reporters, broadcasters will go to the Aaron Boone press conference and we'll hear what he has to say. Everyone will be asking their questions. I'm more in an observatory role. Uh, I'll just jot down some notes because I want that as context for that night's show. What what does Aaron Boone have to say? What's he what's he monitoring for the game? What what do I have to monitor now? What should be on my radar? I'll take some notes. And then after that, everyone kind of goes in their own direction based on pregame routine. So some people will go out to the field for BP batting practice. Some people go upstairs and get their lineups together. I typically first I'll go upstairs and take another look at the lineups, write it down in my scorebook, get everything together, get all my notes together. And then if I have time, I'll go down for some BP. But I'll always check in in the WF fan booth and just say hello uh, to the producer, uh, to our production assistant, everybody, and then really get myself set for the night. So after the Aaron Boone press conference is really, it, it depends on the day, what I end up doing. But I'll always go up and get my lineups together so I can start filling out my, my post game format. And setting up what I'm gonna take notes on during the game, thus leading to whatever I have for for the post game show.
0: I like it, and then sort of one of those other similar things. And I don't a lot of people when they think, oh, I'm the broadcaster for the game, I'm the broadcaster for the post game. They think, all okay, right, your hours of work are seven to ten, and you're working a game, and that's it. But I think this is a good illustration of no, you're there for ten hours a day at the ballpark mm-hmm. grinding out since two thirty in the afternoon, three in the afternoon. It's a big time commitment but I think another thing likewise that you mentioned you're also on the MILB side of things working I believe it's with the Hudson Valley team for the Yankees as well is it a similar process or is it a little bit different because I assume obviously a lot less media is there on a given day than at the stadium but what is it like working on the minor league side in comparison to the majors as well
2: yeah it is different and I I worked a lot more there last year than this year of course with the Yankee stuff uh, mixed in and and did a full season Last year with uh, with Joe Vasile, with the Renegades. And the difference to me mainly is it's not that we didn't get any media, but it was more select. Like at the Yankees, you have a whole continuum every single day. And you have the New York Post, Newsday, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these different publications. You have the broadcasters. They're there every day in the clubhouse, give or take. Uh, with Hudson Valley, somebody will request from like a week out, okay, I want to cover and speak to this guy or I just want to – come in and take in the game and report on the game. And then that might be your one or maybe that plus another couple of people for your media on a given day. And I really think from the minor league standpoint, the broadcasters are the media on a lot of days. We're doing the game notes. We're doing the media relations. We're talking to players. We're, we're getting content created. So I think that's the the biggest difference is with the Yankees, you have all the reporters, you have all these different people, you have team employees who are responsible for social media and video content. In the minor leagues, it's really the, the broadcasters and the extension. I thought Hudson Valley, this is a big takeaway of mine from Hudson Valley's operation, they have a great video department uh, led by a guy named Zach Neubauer, so it wasn't all on the broadcasters to produce the TV broadcast and a lot of video content. But back to the point of the differences, the, the Yankees have a robust department for that. They have reporters covering the team. And then the broadcasters, you're really just focused on your job, right? Like I'm focused on, all right, how do I deliver the best post game show I can each time I'm I'm given the chance to do it? And that's really what, with what you were saying, that's my buildup for the day. All right. How do I have an eye on, the post-game show for the entire day, including the three hours during the game. So once I hop on the mic afterwards, it's the best post-game show I, I can possibly do. And then uh rinse repeat. You try to evaluate yourself and, and do better the next day.
1: Yeah, and you clearly like show how much effort it takes to really be a good broadcaster, right? To show to show the viewer as much as much information as they can possibly get, but what would your one piece of advice for somebody just starting to get into broadcasting, just starting to get like into that field, which is obviously, obviously such a robust and large field. What would your, what would your advice be to somebody who's just starting to crack into this, this whole space?
2: Yeah, I would say get as much repetition and experience as possible. It's a cliche thing. I feel everybody gives that advice, but It depends how you do it, right? So if you're in college, you're in high school, you're starting out, I would say don't let any barriers deter you from getting that repetition experience because you may feel, okay, I want to get a play-by-play rep or I want to get a reporting rep or I want to do this, I want to do that, but my high school doesn't have that available to me or... X, Y, and Z people want to do it. People run into this in college where they're like, okay, well, there are six other people who want to do the same thing I'm doing. So I can't, I can't get as much repetition. That shouldn't deter you from doing it because just, just because I think this is the best way to put it. Just because somebody else is doing the live on air rep at that point, doesn't mean you can't show up to the game and do a demo broadcast or just do practice or every day. I see you guys, you have mics in front of you on, on this interview Every day you have a mic in front of you is an opportunity to get better. You you don't need anybody to tell you uh, what to do. Now, you want advice and you want feedback and you want a basis to get better. But every day you have a mic in front of you, you can do something to get better. So whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, that should be inspiration enough to say, all right, if I have a podcast like you guys have, or if I have this or that, I have my own computer. This day and age is so different than 15, 20 years ago. I can I can literally do something that can make me a better broadcaster. So I would say that'll be number one. And number two, do as many things as possible unless you really know I want to do play by play. Then you can go all in on play by play. And I would I would support that. I would say don't let anything kind of let you waver on what your dreams and, and desires are. But even if you do want to do play by play, I don't think there's any harm in all right, doing TV reporting or writing, because I think that. That stuff and those skill sets are going to make you better at the other thing because that other thing is your quote unquote sweet spot and doing something that pushes you outside your comfort zone will make you even better when you get back to that sweet spot and are doing something uh, that you really love to do when you have a passion and a thirst for doing. So I would say do as much as possible unless you really know what you want to do, but still I would hammer home, do as much as possible, be as versatile as possible, because that's the way the industry has become. The more you can do, the more opportunity there's going to be for you, especially early on. And then get as much repetition as possible and don't let don't let any barriers or I guess self-proclaimed barriers, because a lot of people will in their mind say, I can't do this because this is in my way. There's always a way to do it, especially nowadays where you can pop on a game and, and call it when when you're not even doing the live game, but that's still repetition. That's still, that's still practice. So I would would say practice, 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 and, and keep doing that. And you'll never stop doing it. And you'll develop those habits. So when you get out in the field and you feel like you've quote unquote accomplished something, you can never stop getting better and you can never stop growing and evolving. And the sooner you set that foundation in place, then later on, it's going to be, Oh, of course I need to continue getting better. There's going to be no complacency. It's going to, yourself to become as great as you can possibly be at something
0: i love it those are great pieces of advice
2: thank you yeah no thanks for asking the question
0: absolutely so the last sort of big question that we have to ask you is basically we've danced around it a little bit but the pirate series probably your capstone event of the year getting to be the play-by-play guy next to justin shackle another fordham guy so what was that experience like how did you get the call slash know you were going to do it at what point and then what were the games like in pittsburgh
2: It was it was awesome. It was a surreal experience. I'd always dreamt of of doing something like that. So felt really fortunate to have an opportunity this year, tail end of the year to to do it and to have that experience. And everything about it was was awesome from the on air aspect where there were certain moments where I looked around the ballpark and just my surroundings and reminded myself, hey, this is Yankee baseball. Like this is incredible, and it, it felt like a normal game at a certain point. You can't overcomplicate it. You can't make it more than it is. But uh, there were moments where I took in my surroundings and said, "Wow! Uh, like this is this is it. This is the big leagues." So that's what made it so surreal. As we talked about earlier, interacting with people all day that you've looked up to for years—that was a really cool aspect of it all. And leading up and finding out about it. I might have known something like this was possible. Like it was in the back of my mind that, okay, if X happens and Y happens, I may be an option to call a game at some point, but there's a difference between thinking something's possible and then it becoming reality. So that couple of weeks leading up to it, when I found out in mid August, I had no clue that something like that was going to happen. And that, that made it better, I think, because I always knew it might be a possibility. I never took it for granted, never thought it was definitely going to happen. But those two weeks leading into it, two, three weeks, I I never thought that I was going to do a play-by-play series this year. So when I, when I talked to my bosses in mid-August, it was supposed to be just a general catch-up with one of my bosses. I, I thought it was a normal touch-based thing. I never thought I would find out about anything of substance that day. And... When I walked into the office, it wasn't only one of my bosses, it was both of my bosses at the fan. So that's what led me on to, wow, like this could be something different. Uh, they're never together like this in a meeting in the same place at the same time when I'm walking in. So when they were both there and they weren't only both there, but then one of my bosses stayed seated, like he was still sitting down. Like, oh, wow. I'm going to be talking to both of them. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a different type of meeting. Uh, this is definitely different than I anticipated. And that's when they asked me if I've ever been to Pittsburgh. And they broke the news that I was going to be doing uh the Yankee series all three games. And and that was one of those moments where you almost you almost black out. Uh yeah, you, you, you end up walking out of the office afterwards after talking to them and wondering, wow, did that really just happen? I think that was one of those feelings because yeah, I remember what they said, but it's so blurry because you're so excited and you're like, wow, this is the realization of something I've dreamt of, but never knew would actually happen. So that, that was the finding out process. And then after that, it was really a couple of weeks of keeping an eye on the series and, and preparing the best I could, and then hoping I could do as good of a job as I, as I possibly could on it. So, uh, but, but I would say the, the, the three to four days after finding out were, Really cool um, and surreal, especially getting to share the news with some family and friends because I didn't have to full bore. There was still a month left, so I didn't have to full bore dive into preparation right away. I could wait a week or so and then and then turn the page. But uh, just sharing that moment with family and friends is cool.
0: I love it. Well, here's to hoping for many more in the future, too.
2: Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that.
0: Absolutely. So we have three fun questions to throw at you here to wrap things up in the name of the side retired podcast, three outs, and you're out of here if you're game for them. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So the first one we've got is you did mention you're a big fan of the 07, 08, 09 teams, but what was your favorite player growing up on the teams?
2: Wow, That's, that's a great question. I would say Mariano Rivera, probably. Jeter's the obvious answer, and there were other players that I really loved on those teams. Like Matsui was awesome. Teixeira I thought was great, especially for the 9 season. He was was incredible. And Johnny Damon had that amazing play in game four where he stole second and then took third. And I always loved the way he played, and he was perfect for that lineup. There's so many people I love, but the calming feeling you had when Mariano Rivera entered a game – and it was almost that sense of pride from a Yankee standpoint where like, you're looking at the other team, you're like, you're screwed. Uh, <laughs> it,
1: was,
2: it wasn't only a, a sense of comfort for you. It was like, you know the other team does not feel good about this situation right now. So I thought that that aspect of Mariano was was so cool, the Sandman, and getting to watch, again, like with my age, just the reality of my age, I only watched him from 07 to – 13 I caught the tail end of his career but he was just as good if not better than early in his career so I thought that was that was an amazing part of him was how he aged and how he got better and better and understood understood how to use that to his advantage so I would say Mariano for for the 09 team and the sake of of the build-up to that
1: yeah and I mean you mentioned Mo one of the most iconic. Walk up songs of all time, right? Oh yeah.
2: Can't be matched.
1: No, but um that sort of leads us into our second question. It was honestly the most perfect choice you could have given us. If you were to if you were if you were in the Bronx coming in from the pen or coming up to the plate, what would you decide as your walk up song?
2: Wow.
0: (laughs) We get some fun answers on this one. That's good.
2: This is a tough one. You're, you're kind of freezing me up here. It's funny because a lot of the a lot of the songs I listen to are like early 2000s stuff and and some uh soft rock and, and and pop stuff. Like you can't use that as a as a walk <laughs> on, really. So uh I'm a big Green Day guy. So let me think of the let me think of the best Green Day song. Maybe if I was jogging out of the bullpen like a When I Come Around by by Green Day, I feel like that would be a nice, yeah. nice rev up. It's not even my favorite Green Day song, but
1: <laughs> it sets the I, I, I'm
2: thinking of my favorite groups now and what would work as a not only pump me up, but get the other team going yeah. a little bit too. I'm thinking of When I Come Around by Green Day. All right. I love it. It's a
0: great choice. And of course, now, Henry, as soon as we launched the Instagram story about this, that's got to be the oh, background Got music be the now song. playing. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: It'll be like a but bum bump bum Yeah, yeah. I can already, I can already hear it.
0: I love it. And then the third question: We have for you sort of in appreciation for hopping on the podcast with us. We let our guests dictate the future of the show, and you sort of get to nominate someone from your past, could be WFN Yankees or anywhere in between, that you think could be a cool next guest to have on the show.
2: That's a cool feature that you guys have uh, have put together. I would say, who would be. It would be a great guest for you guys to have. I would say, going along, going along the the Yankee line of things, I think uh, you guys would not only love, but you would you would learn a ton. Um, and especially your questions about about the industry and uh, how you persevere and get yourself better. Uh, I'm going to give the obvious answer, somebody I did the series with, and that's Justin Shackle. I think you guys should have him on, and I think he's a perfect, a lot of what I'm giving you um, are are tenets that I've developed uh, from learning from guys like him. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll nominate Justin to be a future guest on this podcast because I think he would He would give you good answers, and I'll be very curious to hear what his his walkout song would be. (laughs) I'll be be locked in on that aspect. So just for the sake of that, uh, I'm going to want to tune into those couple of minutes when you have him.
0: I love it. Absolutely. Well, we've had a blast interviewing you, and I'm sure any friend of yours is going to be a great suggestion, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Of
2: course. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, Dylan Henry, great to meet you guys, and keep up the great work. I'm I'm glad to be a part of this.
0: Absolutely. Had a blast getting to talk to you. Hopefully more wins next year for the New York Yankees, but... Been a fun season, regardless, and a memorable 2023 for you, of course. But for Dylan, Henry, and Emmanuel, until the next time, the side is retired.